Hello and welcome to this message from the river. We hope that this message from Pastor Billy Pate inspires and challenges you towards a greater relationship with Jesus Christ. Now let's join Pastor Billy Pate for another exciting message. You say come to the If there is an underlying theme over the last uh, week and this week and maybe even possibly next week of what I'm going to be talking about, it's really those three areas right there. Character, having confidence in God, and having the courage to simply do what God asks us to do, to do what is right. Because the truth is, ultimately, those issues are what cause us difficulty, they cause us struggle. And these are the same kinds of issues that are going to cost Saul the kingship. And today we're going to see the final act that really brings that about and brings his kingship to an end. Saul was not faithful to follow through. Saul struggled in the follow-throughs. Saul struggled to finish. Saul struggled to really complete in its entirety the things that God directed him to do. It wasn't a struggle in understanding what God wanted. It was a struggle in completing what God wanted. Anybody can relate to that, I'm sure, in the place today. Saul was looking, always looking for shortcuts. He was always stepping beyond his role. And he was always doing what he thought was best rather than simply being obedient. And I think that if Saul had a label on his life, it would read, does not follow directions well. (laughs) Anybody know anybody that you could pin that label on them and say, does not follow directions well? Saul's lack of obedience is going to cost him everything in his life because he was not faithful to follow through. Let's pray. Father, I ask your anointing in this place. I pray that every person in this room would give me their attention over the next few minutes, Father, as you speak your words of direction and guidance and your pathway is established that leads to blessing and favor. I pray that, Father, you would just anoint me to speak the words that you've laid upon my heart this morning. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Go ahead and turn with me now to 1 Samuel chapter 15, beginning in verse 1. Samuel also said to Saul, The Lord sent me to anoint you king over his people, over Israel. Now therefore, heed the voice of the words of the Lord. Again, let me just point out that Saul is not struggling with clarity. It's very clear what God wants him to do. Verse 2, Thus says the Lord of hosts, I will punish Amalek for what he did to Israel, how he ambushed him on the way when he came up from Egypt. Now go and attack Amalek and utterly destroy. If you highlight or underline in your Bible, underline or highlight, utterly destroy. This is what God wants. This is the finality or the conclusion of the directive that God is giving to Saul. Utterly destroy all that they have. Do not, and he emphasizes, and do not spare them. If you don't understand utterly destroy, let me communicate it in a different way. Do not spare them. So, clarity. Both kill, but kill both man and woman, infant and nursing child, ox and sheep, camel and donkey. Now, notice in verse 3, what does it clearly state that God says? Utterly destroy all that they have and do not Spare them. Here's the first point that I want to make this morning. Is that God doesn't stutter. 
God doesn't stutter. Have you ever had your kids tell your kids something or tell someone something and they come back and they ask you again and then they ask you again and about the fourth or fifth time you say, I did not stutter. Do you understand what I'm telling you to do? God does not stutter. God is not unsure of himself this morning. God is not, uh, does not lay out plans that are fluid. He is not trying to decide what he should or should not do. He is, a pretty clear, he is pretty clear on his objective and he is very clear at communicating that objective. So God is not struggling to communicate. God's not struggling to make clear what He wants from us. He doesn't stutter. In this particular case, God had made His mind up even about the Amalekites years, years, perhaps hundreds of years prior to this directive given to Saul because the Amalekites had attacked the Israelites on their way out of Egypt. God said this in Exodus 17, 14. He says, Then the Lord said to Moses, Not Samuel, not Saul, but to Moses way back when. Write this for a memorial in the book and recount it in the hearing of Joshua that I will utterly blot out the remembrance of Amalek from under heaven. So God made up his mind a long time ago. I am going to take these people out when the time is right because they attacked my people on their way out of bondage. That's just like the enemy, isn't it? Right when you're about to get free. Right when you're about to break free from the things that's held you bound for several years. Right when you get on your feet. Right when you start moving in the right direction. It's about that time that the enemy tries to layway you and puts you back into bondage again. God doesn't like that stuff. He didn't like it for his people years ago and he doesn't like it for you. And I'll tell you, he will fight for you if you'll let him do that. He's trying to fight for Israel. He's trying to take care of an enemy. That has been a problem for them for years. And an enemy that will continue to be a problem for them for years to come unless God is allowed to take care of business. But God taking care of business always requires our compliance. God requires our obedience. He requires our partnership. God's commands are very clear and concise. Here they're written and recorded. So there's no chance of miscommunication. Let me just tell you this morning that nothing has changed from that time till now. God's commands are still clear. God's commands are still concise. And they are still written and recorded so that there is no chance of miscommunication this morning. If you don't believe someone what they're telling you, their good news is you can pick up your Bible and you can open it up for yourself and you can see exactly what God intends for your life. Everything that He wants, His will, His plan, His purpose, His promise, His destiny for you. It's all written in the Word of God this morning and it's made accessible to every single person who will just take the initiative to pull it off the shelf and to crack it open and begin to read and study what he wants for your life. God doesn't stutter. God doesn't struggle to communicate. The problem is that the problem arises when we choose to treat God's commands, though as suggestions or options, and even to leave them open to interpretation. Now this morning, I'm not talking about legalism, and I want you to make I want to make that clear this morning. I'm not talking about being so consumed with the letter of the law that we miss what God is really trying to say. But it's very clear what God wants for us. It's very clear what God desires for us. I'm talking about this morning about having a heart and a desire to please God through obedience. It's about having a heart 
that wants to align itself with God. Serving God. Listen to me this morning. Serving God can't be something that we pick up one day and lay down the next. Serving God can't be something that we just decide we want to do on Sundays and then the rest of the week we just lay it down. It can't be something that we just pick and choose what we're going to follow. If we're in, we're in. If we're out, we're out. And so we've got to commit to this process and we've got to be involved in this process and we've got to make sure that we have a heart to do what God is asking us to do. When is the last time that we sat down and we really considered Am I, do I have a heart that is focused on pleasing God? Do I have a deep desire in my life to try and please God? We will discover with Saul that the real issue here is his heart and the motivations of his heart. Saul is motivated by everything except pleasing God. And if he is motivated at all by pleasing God, it is coming in a very distant number way down the list. Saul is motivated by everything except pleasing God. We cannot allow the things of this world to captivate us to the point that they become more important to us than pleasing God. God is always more interested in our heart than anything else. He's interested in our motives. He's interested in our desires. If my heart is for Him, I will obey Him. If my heart is for Him, I will obey Him. My obedience to Him is an indicator of my heart. It reveals and showcases and and demonstrates my heart. My heart is always going to be revealed in how I respond to what God says. Always. How do I respond To what God says. How am I aligning myself with God's direction and God's plans? Because this is what he says in John 14, 15. This is straight from Jesus' mouth himself. He says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. The if in this statement makes this statement conditional for us. It, It makes it conditional in that if we love him, then we will show it. How? By keeping His commandments, by being obedient. God's commands are clear. And the question is, are we going to be motivated by self-serving decisions or are we going to be motivated by God-pleasing obedience? What are you motivated by this morning? What moves you? What motivates you? What drives you in the morning when you get up? What is stirring in your heart that guides your day? Because a person motivated by things other than pleasing God is always going to transgress the Word of God. If we are motivated by other things rather than pleasing God as being the primary motivation in our lives, then we are always going to go back to the place where we transgress God's Word and we fall short of what God commands. Let's see what Paul does. Verse 4. So, so Saul gathered the people together and numbered them in Telaim. 200,000 foot soldiers and 10,000 men of Judah. And Saul came to the city of Amalek and lay in wait in the valley. Verse 7. And Saul attacked the Amalekites from Havilah all the way to Shur, which is east of Egypt. He took Agag, king of the Amalekites, alive and utterly destroyed all the people with the edge of the sword 
but, and this is the problem right here. He utterly destroyed all of the people with the edge of the sword. Verse 9, but. How many buts are in your life? How many buts are getting in the way of what God is trying to do for you? What God is trying to do through you? What God is trying to do in you? Because the but can get in the way. But Saul and the people spared Agag and the best of the sheep, the oxen, the fatlings, the lambs, and all that was good. And they and were unwilling, unwilling to utterly destroy them. But everything despised and everything worthless, that they utterly destroyed. Point number two. Partial obedience is disobedience. Partial obedience is disobedience. Obedience is always proven in the follow through. It's not done until it's done. And until it's done, it's not obedience. Here's the problem that we have in our society. Is that we've given awards for incompletion and mediocrity. To the point that that has become the standard of achievement. And so we think because we partially got done with something, that we should be rewarded for that. But that's not how it works in the kingdom of God because partial obedience is disobedience. And if we're not finished, then we didn't finish. If we're not done, then we're not done. We don't get the reward until we finish the process. And so we stop short so many times because, well, I kind of did it. I tried to do it. I utterly destroyed just part of it, but not all of it. You know, and I don't want to be legalistic here when it comes to serving God. But I also don't want to water down the truth to the point that we minimize the standard that God has set for us in our lives. Good enough, is is it good enough, is good enough good enough for God? Is your good enough good enough for God? Is it okay for me to fall short of everything that God puts in my heart simply because I choose not to do it. Now, that's a different thing, and this is where the legalism would come in. It's different for it to fall short because we attempted our best, we gave it our all, and we still just didn't complete it. But it wasn't for a lack of trying. It wasn't for a lack of motivation. It wasn't for a lack of a heart to please God. I'm not talking about that this morning. What I'm talking about is when we just say, well, you know, it got tough. It got hard. It got difficult. It got complicated. It got troublesome. It cost me too much. It was too difficult for me. I didn't want to finish just because I found something better to do. And suddenly what God had commanded in my life became an option for me, which I could discredit myself from or dismiss myself from. That's what I'm talking about. And so Saul has everything. He has the wherewithal to complete the objective clearly. He dominates the army. He takes captive what he wants to take captive. He's very much in control of the situation. Could he have completed what God had called him to do? Absolutely. This was merely a choice not to do what God has called him to do. And that's what I'm referring to this morning. Please don't misunderstand. I'm not talking about giving your all and then coming up short. That's where grace comes into our lives. And we all need grace to live on. I'm telling you, even if I try my best, I can't live up to the standard of God. And I'm not talking about that this morning. I'm talking about choosing and making a conscious decision to simply say, Today I don't want to. Today I'm not going to. Today I'm checking out. 
not okay. Not okay. Saul started off right. Saul started off good. He, if you read the passage I just read to you, he gathered the troop. He defeats the army. He's poised for completion. And he stops short of the follow-through. He's just not faithful to follow through. Therefore, he is not faithful. I believe that God is a God of grace. And I want to balance what I'm preaching this morning with that reality too. He is a God of grace. And he is a God of love. And if your heart is to please him, he gives you an abundance of grace. And I also believe that God has got to be, but I also believe that God has got to be to the place in his, in, in his sovereignty over this country and over the, the, this world that he has got to be fed up with people who live by his name yet disregard a standard of holiness and live lives of partial obedience to him. Saul started well but ended bad. And at the end of the day, he does not follow through but rather stops short of what God commanded him. Verse 9, But Saul and the people spared Agag and the best of the sheep, the oxen, the fatlings, the lambs, and all that was good, and were unwilling. You see that word? They were unwilling to utterly destroy them. Unwilling. There is no such thing as God's command 2.0. You understand that? So there is no amendments. There is no adjustments. There is no bug fixes that goes on with God's commands. They they are set right the first time. God establishes them the way he wants them done the first time. And so what arrogance, what disrespect, what kind of rebellious attitude is it that we think we can begin to amend or improve on what God has commanded us to do? And we do it every day with a plethora of well, yeah, but kind of responses. Saul stops short because he believes he has a better way than God. Stopping short, quitting before the end, walking away before finishing. Partial obedience is disobedience and disobedience alienates us. From the favor and the grace of God. What we're trying to do through teaching, through the word of God, through seeking God, is we're trying to establish a pathway that leads us to grace and favor and blessing and promise that God has given us. Does anybody in the room want a life that is alienated from the favor and grace of God? Absolutely not. But the key is being faithful to follow through. Verse 10 says, Now the word of the Lord came to Samuel, saying, greatly, I greatly regret that I have set up Saul as king, for he has turned back from following me and has not performed my commandments. And it grieved Samuel, and he cried out to the Lord all night. I just want to stop and just put this little caveat in. Thank God for people who, in our lives who will cry out to the Lord for us. On our behalf. Thank God for people who love us. Thank God for people who care enough about us to advocate and fight for us. I say to, the, say to you this often, but our, our actions and our decisions carry ramifications that are far beyond us. Our lives, church, are not only about pleasing God, but I think that they're also about honoring people who have invested in us along the way. And sometimes that can be more of a real motivator for us a lot of times than even pleasing God. 
you know, I, I don't want to do this because I don't want my grandma upset with me. I don't want to disappoint daddy. I don't want to disappoint mama. I don't want to disappoint so-and-so in my life. And so they, they help me. And so the fact is, yes, pleasing God, but also what about the people that have invested in us along the way? we got to honor those folks too. Saul not, Saul not only needs to please God in this text, I would go as far to say that he also ought to regard Samuel too. That Samuel has been an advocate for Saul. He's been fighting for him all along the way. To the point that later on as you read when it's time for David to take over. The question is posed to Samuel from God. How long are you going to mourn over Saul? Now that's commitment. That's loving him. Thank God for people who love us that way. Don't just live for God but also honor those who have loved you along the way. Many of us, most of us, probably all of us would not be here had it not been for some key people that God has used to love us along the way. So honor their investment in your life as well. Verse 12, so when Samuel rose early in the morning to meet Saul, it was told Samuel saying, Saul went to Carmel and indeed he set up a monument for himself. And he has gone on around, passed by, and gone down to Gilgal. Verse 13, Then Samuel went to Saul, and Saul said to him, Blessed are you of the Lord. I have performed the commandment of the Lord. But Samuel said, What then is this bleeding of the sheep in my ears and the lowing of the oxen which I hear? Not only is Samuel advocating for Saul, he is also willing to call him out when he begins to wander away from God's plan. We have to appreciate not only the people who cry out for us, but also the people who will tell us that we need to get back on track. Thank God for people who love us enough to tell us the truth. Amen? Saul says, I did what God asked. And Samuel says, no, you didn't. And that moment, Saul has an opportunity. This is a critical moment for Saul. He has an opportunity at this point to confess his sin or to choose to blame somebody else or try to cover his sin. And so here's the third point for you this morning. Covering sin is not confessing sin. It's not the same thing. Covering sin does not make sin go away. Only confessing sin and asking for forgiveness makes sin go away. We can hide it all day long. You can try to cover it up. You can try to pretend it doesn't exist. You can do everything in your power to make it go away. But the fact is, until you deal with the problem, the problem remains. The Bible tells us in 1 John 1 and 9, if we confess, if, there's that word again, if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. What is the condition? If we confess, then God will forgive us. But not until we confess. Saul chooses rather to attempt, a futile attempt to cover his sin by explaining it away or making excuses for it. Now, watch how many times he covers, shifts the blame, or makes excuses for his behavior. Look at verse 15. And Saul said, they. This is his response. Not I, but they. They have brought them, they have brought them from the Amalekites for the people. Not me, these people. Spared the best of the sheep and the oxen to sacrifice to the Lord your God. And the rest... We have utterly destroyed. And so here's what he says to Samuel. Now, everything that went wrong, it was the people's fault. But where we have utterly destroyed everything and followed the command partially, we did that. But everything else, they did that. 
And so it's we when it's right. It's they when it's wrong. This is how Saul sees his world. And then he goes on to say, Then Samuel said to Saul, Be quiet. Hush. And I will tell you what the Lord said to me last night. He says, You're telling me this, but God's telling me something different. And he said to him, Speak on. And so Samuel said, When you were little in your own eyes, were you not head of the tribes of Israel? And did not the Lord anoint you king over Israel? When you were little... In your own eyes. When you were humble. When you didn't let pride get in the way. When you were focused on me. And when you were faithfully following me. That's when you were anointed. That's when God was working in your life. That's when God was using you. That's when God was directing you. And here's part of the problem for Saul. The kingship is now going to his head. He's starting to believe his own press. And he's starting to let popularity and accolades drive him rather than simply pleasing and honoring God with his life. If you look back in verse 12, it says this, So when Samuel rose early in the morning to meet Saul, it was told to Samuel, saying, Saul went to Carmel, and he indeed set up a what? A monument for himself. You know what I'm going to do today instead of obeying God? I think I'm going to set up a statue for myself. That way everybody will know that I'm a great king. And you know what I find interesting is that he set it up at Carmel. Do you know where Carmel is? Carmel is the place where God sent fire from heaven and showcased his greatness over the people of Israel. And that wasn't enough. That whole mountain stands as a monument to God. And so this is what Saul does. He is so arrogant and so caught up with himself and so focused on his own notoriety that he goes to the very place that stands as a monument for God and puts himself right there. What a problem. Pride is the root of a lot of problems. Pride is the root of Saul's problem. Pride is the root of our problems. Pride is the root of my problems. He's lost his humility and he's relying on himself and the opinion of the crowd rather than simply relying on God and trying to please God with his actions. The opinion of the crowd is always going to get you in trouble. Verse 18, now the Lord sent you on a mission and he said, and said, Go and utterly destroy the sinners, the Amalekites, and fight against them until they are consumed. Why then did you not obey the voice of the Lord? Why did you not swoop down on the spoil? Why did you swoop down on the spoil and do evil in the sight of the Lord? And this is what Saul says to that. He's been caught red-handed. And Samuel, and Saul says to Samuel, But I did obey the voice of the Lord. And I went on the mission which the Lord sent me. And I brought back King Agag of Amalek. And I have utterly destroyed the Amalekites. No, you didn't. I love it when, you know, someone's caught red-handed. Whether it's my kids or someone else. And you have the evidence right in front. And they just say, I am not, not going to fess up to this. I will not do it. I will lie. I will lie. I will lie. I will just keep on saying it and restating it until you finally give in. I'm just going to be stubborn all the way. And this is what we have with Saul. He's been caught red-handed and he sits there in front of Samuel, who is obviously hearing from God, and says, uh-uh, not me. It was those people. It wasn't me. I didn't do it. And not only that, he tries to restate what God's command is. You can rephrase it all day long. But rephrasing God's command and rewriting God's word doesn't change the truth. Well, I thought you only told me to make my bed. I didn't know you told me to clean my room. 
When you told me to clean the bathroom, I thought you just meant the toilet. I didn't know you meant the sink. And we do this same kind of junk on a regular basis in our own lives. Well, God, I know you told me to teach Sunday school, but I didn't know you meant, like, for more than one week. I know you want me to go to church, Lord, but, I mean, you know, I was there, like, two weeks ago. (laughs) One last-ditch effort to shift the blame. Saying it all day long, but at the end of the day, it's not obedience until you're faithful to follow through. Doesn't matter. Verse 21, but the people, one more chance. Maybe if I can bring these people in. But the people took the plunder, the sheep, the oxen, the best of the things which we have, have been utterly destroyed to sacrifice to the Lord your God in Gilgal. God always sees through the baloney. Always. God is never duped by our excuses. Our diversionary tactics don't work on him. Smoke screens, any kind of misdirection, none of that junk works with God. Because he sees the truth and he knows the truth primarily because he is the truth. Confessing sin is not about, it's it's about coming to grips with the truth and even letting God reveal truth to us. Conviction leads to confession because it reveals the truth and the need for reconciliation with God. Denial, excuses never bring us to freedom, but they only entrench us further in bondage. Don't cover it up. Confess it out. Verse 22. So Samuel said, Has the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice and to heed than the fat of rams. For rebellion... God considers disobedience, partial obedience, disobedience, and he considers those things rebellion. He says rebellion is as of the sin of witchcraft, and stubbornness is as an iniquity and idolatry. Because you rejected the word of the Lord, he has also rejected you from being king. The last point is this, that actions matter over intentions. What I do is more important than what I intended to do. Now, again, let me go back and let me balance that out with grace. If my heart is to please God, of course. My intentions matter in that kind of situation. But over and over again, if I continue to go down the same path and quit trying to do my best to please God, at some point what I'm doing has to speak louder than what I claim to be attempting to do. I didn't mean to run over you in my car. That was not my intention. Well, that makes it okay. Right? I didn't mean to betray your confidence. That's not what I intended to do. I didn't mean to neglect my family. That's not what I intended to do. At some point, your actions speak louder than your intentions. You know, I thought, I meant, I intended. At some point, they start to lose weight. Because our actions do matter. What we do matters. What we do matters. And intentions fall short when our actions continue to contradict those intentions. Intentions fall short when we have spent energy and effort trying to blame our actions on others and make excuses for why things happened the way they happened. Motives are ultimately revealed over time through actions, not intentions. Amber, would you come this morning? Let me close with this. Verse 24, Then Samuel 
Saul said to Samuel, I have sinned, for I have transgressed the commandment of the Lord and your words, because I feared the people and obeyed their voice. Now the reality as to the motivation of his heart is revealed. Why did he sin? Because he wanted to be popular rather than right with God. Verse 25, Now therefore please pardon my sin and return with me that I may worship the Lord. You think this is turning towards a good place? But Samuel said to Saul, I will not return with you, for you've rejected the word of the Lord, and the Lord has rejected you from being king over Israel. And as Samuel turned and away to go, Saul seized the edge of his robe and it tore. So Samuel said to him, The Lord has torn the kingdom of Israel from you today and has given it to the neighbor of yours who is better than you. And also the strength of Israel will not lie nor relent, for he is not a man that he should relent. Then verse 30, You think that Saul's making a turn. And that Saul is finally getting himself back on track. And then verse 30 reveals again his true heart. It says this, Then he said, I have sinned, yes, but yet I would like for you to still honor me. Please come with me and honor me before the elders of my people and before Israel. And return with me that I may worship the Lord your God. Saul still stuck on what people think about him. He's not concerned about really turning his heart over to God and making things right. He is concerned about how he'll look in the eyes of the people. Saul never gets it. He seeks people's approval over God's every time. He blames others. He justifies his actions. He spends too much time worrying about what other people think. But more than anything in this world... We have to seek God and make our relationship with Him the number one priority. When we do that, our desires will line up with His desires. Our thoughts will line up with His thoughts. Our decisions and actions will begin to flow from a heart that is genuinely devoted to Him so that we can be trusted with what He's entrusted to us. Would you stand? God doesn't stutter. His plan and His commands are clear. Partial obedience is still disobedience. Covering our sin is never going to bring us into freedom. Only confessing them will. And what we do with our lives very much matters. We have to be faithful to follow through. And so this morning, for altar, I just want to simply ask you a series of questions. What is God asking of you now that you need to follow through with? What is God dealing with you about right now that you need to follow through with? Because I believe that He's dealing with every single person in this room. Second question is, where have you made excuses rather than simply obey Him? Where have you excused away His commands dismissed his commands, treated them as options rather than simply obey them. And then lastly, what sin has been covered up that needs to be confessed out this morning? And so this morning, I just want to open the altars up to general prayer this morning. If you need, if you have a need, if you want me to pray with you about anything this morning, I want to pray with you today. We're going to ask others to come and pray and help me in this place. And so if you need prayer for healing, You need prayer in your decision making. You need prayer to have the courage, the confidence, the character that it takes to serve God. Then I want to invite you to come. The altars are open this morning.
would you come? If you need prayer for anything, I'm facing some stuff in my life, and I need God to help me this morning, would you come? Yes, amen. Amen. Let God touch your life this morning. Let God meet you in this altar and begin to help you work through the difficulties or challenges that you might be facing. That's what he's here for. That's what you're here for. That's what he's come for. Yes, amen. Where do you need to be faithful? Where does faithfulness need to be strengthened in your life? Let God help you this morning. I'm going to ask some of you to come and stand behind these that are in the altar. Let's make sure that everybody is being prayed for. Please help us. Lift one another up today. With every head bowed and every eye closed in the place, if you're here, you say, Pastor, I'm not sure where I stand in my relationship with Jesus Christ. I don't know where my life really aligns with Him. I've never asked God to come into my life. I've never confessed my sins. I've never asked Him to be a part of any decisions that I've made And today I want to give my life over to Him. I want to surrender to Him. I want Him to lead me and guide me and direct me from this day forward. The Word of God tells us in 1 John 1 and 9, if we confess our sins, He, speaking of Christ, is faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And from that point on, we know that He will lead, guide, and direct us through every decision and every facet of life. And so if you're here and you say, that's me, Pastor, I need to give my life to Jesus Christ this morning, would you just simply raise your hand up in the air and put it right back down? Would there be one that says, that's, that's me? Amen. I'm going to pray this prayer, and if that's you this morning, if you need to give your life to Christ, then you just pray along with me. Father, we just ask that you forgive us. Forgive us of the places that we failed you. Forgive us of the sins that have stood between us and a relationship with you. God, everywhere that we have Lacked, I pray that right now you would just allow your grace to flow into those areas of our lives. We pray for your forgiveness. We want you to be a part of our decisions. We want to be a part of your plan. And we ask that from this day forward that you would come into our hearts, change our lives, and begin to make us new from the inside out. Let a relationship with you be evident to those around us as we confess you as Lord and Savior of our lives. We thank you for that today in Jesus' name. Amen. We hope you have enjoyed and been encouraged by this message. We'd love for you to join us at the river on Sunday mornings at 9.45 for Sunday school and at 10.30 for morning worship. We also provide our midweek service for all ages on Wednesdays at 7 p.m. If you'd like to support the various ministries at the river, please go to our giving tab. We'd love for you to visit us at 1110 South Preston Street in Burkrenet, Texas. And as always, we encourage you to come experience life with us at the river. Till I found myself.